Today's episode of the Dirty Sports Podcast is brought to you by Chill Boys, the official underwear sponsor of our show. Dirtballs, upgrade your underwear right now. In fact, I need to upgrade. I have underwear that has holes all in the butt area. Yeah, we all get that. It's time for me to update my underwear with Chill Boys. They offer amazing, three different amazing types. The the bamboo boxers, the performance boxers, and the boxer briefs. So upgrade those undies, boys. You can go to chillboys.com and use discount code DIRTY20 to save 20% on your first order. That's DIRTY20 to save 20% over at chillboys.com. C-H-I-L-L boys.com. Let's start the show. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I said welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. With Andy Ruther and Joe Prano, welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther, coming to you live from the Smut Studio in Venice Beach, California, with my co-host, Joey. No chill, Prano. Hello, Andy. I see you again. Yeah, we hung last night, came down for the uh, Sunday Night Football slash NBA Finals game. We had some pizza. You brought over a bunch of Miller Lights, which was very appreciated. Yeah. Just just purging all the liquids from your apartment. I am. You also brought me some Twerks with Wolves vodka ice pops and some <laughs> some spiked seltzers. Yeah, it's a purge, and it's always funny because I have a lot of alcohol for someone who doesn't drink. Yeah. That's good. That's why the Smut Studio, that's why people like to come to the Smut Studio. You know, you got to be a good You're host. a good host, Andy. I pride myself in the hosting. You got to be a good host. I feel like it's an undervalued thing of life. A lot of people aren't good hosts. Yeah. You're a good host of the show, too. You, got, you always got the rundown going, you know? Um. I know you, I, I read the rundown, just kidding, I didn't, um, but, and I, I know where we usually start, but I feel like we got to start somewhere today that we might not normally start with. I know we don't usually talk about, like, horrible leadership and complete idiocy and just, like, complete mismanagement inside an administration, but... uh the 76ers chose Doc Rivers over Mike D'Antoni. I mean, what a what what kind of reckless. That's your lead. <laughs> yeah. That is going to be your lead. We have NBA Finals, NFL Week 4, Major League Baseball well, playoffs. I was, just trying, I was just trying to do a little White House uh, fake out there. That's what I was trying to do. I, I, I got it. Yeah. By the way, that is... We t- can come back to that. I, no, just, wanted no, to do, that is I a, just wanted to do a White House fake out. We're not going to come back to that. You've already brought up. That is a terrible hire. Yeah. I just, I don't, I want to sit down. Philly, blue collar, lunch pail, work ethic. They love, Philly loves to to play that vibe, and it's never once worked in the history of all of their sports teams. 
But I'd want to sit down with someone who defended that and just say, these are the facts. Doc Rivers has had this, this, and this team and didn't do anything but one title with three future Hall of Famers. The proof is in the facts. He's not a good coach. And, and you know, again, I'm always bringing it up with, like, if you're the Sixers and you hire Doc Rivers, it's one thing, okay? Like, you know, you have you don't have a very good coaching history. At least he's going to give you some sort of, like, leadership slash stability. You know, I don't know. But, again, the, the choosing between those two that they basically had an agreement in place with my guy, who was an assistant coach there a few years ago, was as an assistant coach – you know, a lot of people are have said that was when the whole process started to turn around. It's like, oh, we're not processing anymore. Now we're competing. And there was a lot of people who wanted him to take over for Brett Brown before he left there. And then, obviously, he goes to Houston. Uh, the Sixers continue to be a, you know, first and second round finishing team. And the Houston Rockets immediately go from being the same to a couple of Western Conference Finals appearances. It's like the idea that somebody can watch what these two guys have done in their coaching careers and choose Doc Rivers. Well, to me, the Doc Rivers is a microcosm of rehiring coaches across sports who have underachieved and underperformed. I don't get it. As I get older, I'm like paying more attention to it. And, and I just, I don't understand, like Mike McCarthy's a prime example for the Cowboys, and obviously we'll get into that, but it's the same kind of area where I look at it as an outsider and I say, wait a second, take sports out of it. If I'm running a company, because your team is a company, right? Yeah. If I'm running a company, am I going to give somebody new a shot or an up-and-comer, or am I going to go with the same old head who's really not going to make my company that much better, who's really not going to make the profit revenue that much better. I mean, and now we're we're now we come full circle. It's funny because I did a White House fake out to start this and you know, we're a week removed from the first presidential debate which was lunacy and talk about old head. Like you got you got the guy who is now in the hospital with COVID and they were like, we need a way to take down Trump. And they chose Biden old head. Who's done nothing old, like literally guys been in government for 50 years. Who's done nothing except be Obama's vice president. Like this was the, this was the move. But, but I think that's a good point. It really is. Like you see this everywhere. I I don't get it. You're going to continue to give people shots Doc Rivers, right? Am I wrong on this? He's the only coach to have three different three-one blown leads. Isn't that correct? Yeah. So again, the proof is in the facts. If he's not performing in the playoffs, when it matters most, see, you can you can doctor him up. See what I did there? Yeah. You can doctor him up all you want, and I'll see the stats like ESPN teams in their first year after Doc Rivers took them over versus the previous year. Cool, you win seven, eight, nine more games. Right. That doesn't mean anything unless you perform in the playoffs. Yeah. And uh, look, I have said before, and I'll say it again, Doc Rivers is a really great guy. And he seems like a, 
a guy that players like, and he seems like a stabilizing figure, and he seems like, you know, somebody who is going to make your team like, like almost fly under the radar a little bit. It's like they're fine. They're with Doc. He's going to give his press conferences. Everybody's going to like him. But again, Brett Brown can get you to the second round. So if your goal is like doing better than you've done, what are we talking about? Well, exactly. And so much attention on sports now. and Because the Clippers, I mean, the Clippers could lose in the second round with plenty of people. So much and they a- did. So much attention, right, is on. Like, where's Vinny Del Negro? Why doesn't Vinny Del Negro get 11 more coaching shots? He did in, in L.A. what Doc did in L.A., right? Like, was he that much of a worse coach for the Clippers? Who was that? Was that like the Elton Brand, Corey Maggette teams? That was like, yeah, it was right before Doc. They put so much attention right now on diversity hires, right, across America, and the lack of black NBA coaches, the lack of NFL. I think the bigger problem is re- recycling shitty coaches. Yeah. And I wouldn't go as far to say that Doc's a shitty coach, but he's a, eh, like you said, are you going to get any further than what you could do with a Brett Brown? And I would argue, no, so why not give somebody new a shot? Like, the Steve Nash hiring could be a debacle, right? It might be. But he's somebody new. He has no experience, but you give somebody a shot, now, apparently, Kyrie thinks they don't need a coach. Oh, which is lunacy. I mean, Kyrie Irving, at this point, at this point, I wouldn't want, like, at this point, Kyrie Irving, to me, is somebody that I don't want on any team unless I'm, like, trying to sell tickets to, like, a rebuilding franchise with a guy who, like, has the ability to go off for 50 any night. Kyrie Irving is such a cancer. Yeah. The season... How are you saying that? Why are you saying that? Exactly. Way before the season now even Steve starts. Now Steve Nash has to go sit down and talk with him. Talk. Kevin Durant's calling him because Kevin Durant loves Steve Nash. They, that, that was part of the hire because of their relationship in Golden State. And then you get Kyrie jumping involved. It's like, yeah, it's unbelievable. I would want no part of Kyrie ever. I mean, I've been saying that for years, right? I don't really see us having a head coach. KD could be a head coach. I could be a head coach. No, no, you couldn't, dude. You you can't even be a leader on any team that you've played for, yeah. let alone be a coach who is the leader of the team. Yeah, I could be a head coach is a wild take. It's one of the wildest takes in the history of the NBA. Here, here, here's what Kyrie is to me. Kyrie Irving is... Kyrie Irving thinks... The world is flat. That's what I was about to get to. <laughs> I mean, well, well, to me, you know what he is? He is like the woke kids nowadays. He is. How old's Kyrie? Probably 29. So he's a little older than like the young, young woke kids. But he tries to sound so smart by like the earth thing or we're looking at different things or we don't need a head coach. I think he just tries too hard and... I find him so obnoxiously annoying. He's he's the NBA's Kanye West. Not as talented. 
If you take Kanye's talent and Kanye's career. Yeah. I mean, Kanye is a visionary. He's just watching NBA games on like a movie, like a giant LED screen with like two chains. It's pretty awesome. I need to get invited to this, the Kanye Two Chains NBA Finals screen. I haven't seen this. You haven't seen this? No. Oh my god! What's going on? He he like I, God knows how much he spent on it, but he has like a full on like L, like a like a Jerry Dome TV, like LED, like probably a you know five thousand inch screen set up in some sort of hangar or something like that, and he'll just like screen movies and the other day he tweeted out him and uh two chains watching the nba finals on it it's wild that's awesome yeah it's awesome but i think that's disrespectful in a way to compare Kyrie to kanye yeah i'm okay with that just shut up like Kyrie's one of those guys at least kanye has the excuse of being bipolar yeah <laughs> I mean, Kyrie, maybe. Maybe he's got some sort of mental illness. We don't know. I would want no part of him. I've been saying this for a long time. All I have to say to Steve Nash is good luck. Good luck, bro. You you signed up for that headache, and obviously we both like Steve Nash, but good luck. The guy hasn't even been hired for a month, and Kyrie's saying we don't need a head coach. Yeah. You thought the earth was flat. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, not only do you, you need, need a, a science book. Not, yeah, not only do you need a head coach, you need a third grade science teacher. And then he dissed LeBron too. Yeah. I want to pull up these stats because I thought they were interesting. So Kyrie took that dig at LeBron about never having played with anybody who could take the final shot but him. Did you see this tweet? No, I did not. Again, the proof is in the facts. I'm my biggest frustration with the world we live in is people just say stuff, no factual. I love that you uh, your hatred for pudding. The the phrase the proof is in the pudding is very popular. You're like the proof is in the facts. I've changed. I'm it. a Jello man. <laughs> <laughs> the proof is in the Jello. It's a good question. Do you go pudding or Jello? I don't like. I really don't like pudding or jello. Me either. That's why uh, I'm asking. I do like a like a rice pudding. I'm into a rice pudding. I'm into like a fancy pudding, but like a chocolate pudding. Even just the word pudding is weird. But like that that surface. My, I remember my mom making pudding as a kid. I never want jello. And I didn't like it. Th- unless it's a jello shot. I literally never want jello. Who wants jello? Jello. I feel like jello is like you're dying. Yeah. You're either in the first three years of your life or the last three years. I mean, I hate to life. say it. That's, they were give, that's the stuff they were feeding my dad before he Jello? Went. Yeah. He has got sugar. Yeah. It's easy to swallow. Yeah. Thanks for the reminder. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> it's all right, dude. I'm just playing with you. That'll be the telltale sign for Donald Trump. Yeah, if they got him on Jello. He looks like a guy who eats Jello regularly. I think he does. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like a guy who has, like, Go-Gurts in the fucking, you know, on Air Force One. Oh, what an unhealthy human being. It's unbelievable. This whole situation. It's so funny. This whole thing. Like, you can think whatever you want, but it is hilarious. I showed you the video, like, of the 
of like they they try to like Adobe morph out him coughing and thing. He's like we're having a lot of <laughs> having a lot of you know great progress. <laughs> and I love just seeing Twitter melting. Yeah, I had like I said I haven't really been on too much. Obviously, you had to show me all that stuff last night. Yeah. It's it's kind of great these days. My favorite thing, and we've talked about it on the show many many times. In in we we're not going to get too political here, but my hatred is more for like the people th- that follow him and the people that think he can do no wrong and the people that like defend every horrible idea. Like we're going to build a wall and Mexico and Bayfort. Fuck yeah, build a wall! And you're like, okay, so. Like, Donald Trump is whatever. He's his own, like, wild character. But the people, like, he gets COVID. He go, he has to be airlifted to the hospital. And the people, like, the spin. Like, I, I just go, I'm always, my mind is boggling. How are they going to spin this? But they try to find a way. But they all do it, though. Yeah. Both sides. Yeah. The whole, the whole thing is just. I mean, it's, he's basically, like, they're basically a super spreader event now like 28 people or something in the administration that's like insane yeah the whole thing i mean it's just god like these next 30 days before this election oh my god yeah it's gonna be nuts well we love our reality tv we're living in it so let me read these stats real quick love it of lebron versus Kyrie. Clutch shooting stats. This is from 2014 to 2015 through the 2016-2017 regular season and playoffs. So this is when they both played in Cleveland. This is the last five minutes of the score within five points. Okay. I think this is pretty fair. Okay, sure. I love it when they do this. Like, I mean, all these stats, it's fine. Continue. Kyrie is 77 of 210 at 36.7% from the field, 26.6% from three. LeBron is 128 of 305 at 42% and 37% from three. So, quote-unquote clutch, which Kyrie took a dig at LeBron, of course. LeBron is shooting slightly better than 4% from the field and then almost... Nine and a half percent better from three. So once again, the proof is in the facts. Yeah, LeBron is more clutch also, than Kyrie. Also, what is Ky- well, the the other factor is what's Kyrie done without LeBron before or after in those situations when you're not the guy that people are worried about taking the shot? It's a whole lot easier, and he's still not as good as the guy who everybody thinks is going to take the shot. Yeah. Well. Great game last night. Miami Heat showed up. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, Butler, I should say. Showed up, yeah. Here's another fun little fact. He is only the third player to have a 40-point triple-double, triple double, joining LeBron and Jerry West, but the first of those three to win the game. Wow. I mean, we're talking about an all-time finals game by Jimmy Butler it's I've heard multiple people describe it as and I agree with it it's it was LeBron getting LeBron almost it's like oh yeah it's the only time that somebody has had the performance that's LeBron-esque against LeBron 
you know, you've had great performances in finals from KD, from Kawhi, from Dirk, from, you know, various people over the years against LeBron, but none of them had, were the complete package. Sure. You know, even when you had said, okay, Steph's hitting his shots, but he's not whatever. Kawhi is defending and he's putting up, you know, he's hitting clutch baskets, but he's not scoring 40 and having a triple-double. Duncan wasn't doing that. You know, like no one's done that. It's all that that's a it was a very LeBron game and it was also a very LeBron game because the Heat had multiple guys out. Jimmy Butler's doing the Jimmy Butler and the Sidekicks show, which LeBron has done, you know, seven of his finals appearances. Yeah, Jimmy Butler, I mean, just put his team on his back dough. And willed that victory and now the heat are back in the series and on the other side lebron played an awful game i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say he played an awful game he had eight turnovers he might have the points and the assist but in my opinion the eight turnovers three in the fourth quarter i'd say this is lebron's worst final game finals game that i've witnessed since one of those Mavs games I think, I mean, I agree with you. He didn't play well, but I think that there was, it was an overriding Lakers, like, uh, like lack of a, lack of a, you know, quality approach. Like they didn't seem to be locked in. It just seemed very like everybody was talking about the sweep, the sweep, the sweep. And it seems like the Lakers really bought in. And I got to say, I'm surprised at that. I, more, I'm more disappointed in LeBron kind of not keeping everybody up for it than I am that he had eight turnovers. It's like LeBron is going to... But he, but again, Joe, my, my you know, I got to be critical of him. When he had, we watched the game together, when he had three turnovers at crunch time in the fourth quarter, and we're talking like, like guy hitting the ball from back, you know, yeah. that's like the Jordan Nick Anderson against the Magic, where you never saw it happen to Michael Jordan. Yeah, it's like last night. You're like, ooh, LeBron did that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm not saying that he played well. I, I, I'm merely saying that the entire team. I mean, Anthony Davis. He had five turnovers. Just no, yeah, five turnovers, five rebounds, only 15 on, points on, on a team. You know, against a team with with Bam out. Uh, with against a team that really he's been able to dominate in the paint. Like the Lakers, when when it's two one, like I always say, it's like this is as close as the series can be. If if the Lakers had won game one and the Heat won game two and the Lakers win game three, this is where we're at. If the Heat steal game one and the Lakers go two straight, this is where we're at. You can't get closer than two one. But there was definitely a feeling from everybody and the Lakers bought into it that the series was over. You know, multiple guys out for the Heat. They're up 2-0. They're 10-point favorites. The the All the money's on the sweep. And Jimmy Butler wasn't having that, yeah. bottom, bottom line. And the Lakers, for as bad as they played, came and took a lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I was one of those people after how well... Anthony Davis and LeBron played in game two. I thought, because the the Miami Heat did not play that bad in game two. Offensively, 
they were extremely efficient if you break down the numbers. And they really weren't that efficient in Game 3. Just Jimmy Butler was. Jimmy Butler was just on another level. So I I bought in too, and maybe LeBron and Anthony Davis did as well, because obviously they didn't show up, and the whole team... And, and I want to give credit also to Eric Spolstra again, because I think that game is representative of how they are as an organization right now. A lot of teams just wilt, right? Yeah. They didn't. They want to make this a series, and yeah. they have. Yeah. And I don't think there's a lot of people that are suddenly back on the Heat bandwagon. I mean, I thought the Heat had had the ability to make this a series from the beginning. I said I thought they had to win game one to win the series. They didn't do that. My original prediction was Lakers in six. I'm sticking with that. Um, I just think that there's no chance that the Lakers come back in a game four and have the same casual approach to it. And this is where, you know, all it's funny because you're going into a series that's 2-0. And how many playoff series when we were doing home and aways started with a 2-0 home lead? You know what I mean? This isn't abnormal. Sure. Obviously, there isn't that. But uh, this is the, the big conversation through through two games was, is Anthony Davis going to win the MVP over LeBron James? And I think you'll see in game four whether or not it leads to LeBron James getting the NBA Finals MVP. But I think you'll see LeBron James be the clear best player. I think he's going to be the guy who takes the team over. Whether that's facilitating, whether that's you know being less casual defensively as they were last night, whether that be manning up Jimmy Butler, I think you'll see LeBron come out and be the best player in game four. Yeah. I pulled up on the screen. We discussed it last night. Obviously, Jimmy Butler gets a lot of... A lot of people think he looks like Jamie Foxx. But in particular, we think he looks like Jamie Foxx from the infamous character Buns. Yeah, in Booty Call. In Booty Call. A very underrated movie, by the way. Yeah. In my opinion. It's, it's, it's decent. Is that a Def Jam movie? I have no idea. Probably. It's got all the fixings. Who else was in it? Was it Tommy Davidson? And uh, Vivica Fox. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's pretty underrated. I don't think it's a Def Jam movie, but... Is this one of Jamie Foxx's first movies? Probably. Just what a funny name. Yeah. Buns. Yeah. And and he's kind of rough like that. Like I was noticing last night or through this series, I think a lot of these guys are really getting their stuff taken care of, their hair, and the grooming because they got all they have access to that like twenty four seven. It seems Jimmy like Butler gives zero fucks. You can tell. Yeah. His, his, he doesn't have the nice looking fresh braids or dreads. He's just like, whatever. I'm not shaving. My hair is what it is. And apparently, Jimmy Butler's got his own coffee company. I didn't know this. For real? Yeah. Yeah. So he must have he must have had a nice couple strong espressos before last night's game. He wouldn't get enough foul calls, and I know they were complaining about it, and I agree. I was agreeing with the announcers last night. Even as well as he played, I think a lot of times when he went to the paint, he was getting knocked and he wasn't getting the calls. Yeah. 
And the that's the way, you know, it's sad because that's the way and NBA refereeing seems to have gone these days is the the Jimmy Butlers and the LeBrons and the the big wing players really don't get the calls going to the basket. And then meanwhile, the the bigs down the block like Anthony Davis two quick fouls last night. That that's the kind of stuff when you have a team that is basically just LeBron James and Anthony Davis and other people, uh, the two quick fouls that that changes the early part of the game. Uh, it seems like the NBA is just like so much more um, quick with the whistle when it's like guys banging down below, and then when these you know sort of freak freakish wing athletes like LeBron and Jimmy Butler go, it's like you don't want to flop and you don't want to flail. Because that takes away your chances of actually finishing. But if you don't, you don't get the call. It's like that's the balance in the NBA because they're oh they all flop all the time. It's like if LeBron doesn't flop, he's just the Terminator that's like walking through bullets. Yeah, you know. So it's it's a delicate balance, and I understand it. So this is our final week in the Smut Studio. Mm-hmm. It's come to this. We're going to record next Monday's episode ahead of time. But I would love to hear some calls from the Dirtballs. So call the hotline. It's basically next the next episode, which we'll record, which will be Monday's episode. We're going to do a heavy Dirtball call retrospective of sorts. Maybe, yeah. I mean, leave some calls. That's why I'm encouraging it right now. Your questions, comments, favorite moments. Smut Studio highlights, even back to the Smut Shack days. Yeah, 310-359-8365. So if you have anything you want to reminisce on from the Smut Studio, early show, whatever, Joe and I are going to bang it out Wednesday. And I don't know if we're going to go live. I think it might confuse, I don't know. Because we're doing Thursdays at a normal time. Right. And I have to schedule this around when I'm taking all my shit out of my apartment. What's your emotional state as it pertains to the Smut Studio? I'm ready to be done. I have a lot of fond memories. Um, I've also been here. I moved in here January of 2010. It's a long time. Yeah, that's like six months before I came to L.A. So, 10 years in this unit, almost two years in the other unit, which was a two-bedroom. So, 12 years in Savage Town. It's a long time. Yeah. Look, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss a lot of stuff about the Smut Studio, but, you know, it's going to be nice being in a house, having space. Like, now... I was thinking about it last night when I came back from your apartment. I put on um, back to school. I wanted to finish it, and I still didn't finish it because I'm so tired. Like I'm, I'm getting real. T- like I'm going to bed real early, getting up real early. But I thought, you know, going from my couch to the bed, which is like six feet. I, I like the thought of being in the house where you turn the TV off and then you walk to a different area of the house to you go hold to bed. the candle. You walk through the house <laughs> like a Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> yeah, with your with your nightcap on. No man, you gotta sleep naked. And your slippers. 
I am so team sleep naked. I'm not team sleep naked. But also, it's nice to have air conditioning. Like, I got spoiled by that the last month in yeah. the summer. Not really the summer, because my dad's so cheap and would have it on, like, the highest thing. Well, not anymore. You'll, no. be, you'll be able to do whatever you want with that air conditioning. Yeah. But, of course, I'm going to miss it. But that's why yeah. I want the Dirt Balls to call in. Again, 310-359-8365. Leave your memories, and you and I can talk. I mean, the crazy thing is this place... This is only two years old, this setup. Yeah. Like, I waited way too long to change things around. I mean, remember when everything in this apartment was the color of this couch? Literally everything. The carpet, the floor, the floorboards, the walls, everything. Everything was like everything was like the teeth of a 70-year-old smoker. <laughs> it's just all this, like, rotted beige color hey, except for the green smut couch hey stanga can you send me that picture can you dm me i know he has it the picture of the day i had my carpet cleaned in january 2015 when everything was out of my apartment mm-hmm. remember how nasty it was yeah i really want to see that it's come a long way oh this whole place man this place is uh it's got memories in fact, I might argue if this place could talk and share stories, some of which I'd love to hear too, that I was so blacked out I don't remember. I'd love to hear that. Memories. A lot of memories here, Prano. Yeah. I can't wait to see the ones that the Dirt Balls remind us of that I have long forgotten about. Right? Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, that happened. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. So the baseball playoffs are back today. It's interesting because every single divisional series is a division rivalry. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it is crazy. It's crazy. It would be so much more interesting if they had if they were mixed up and you're you're you have the potential of playing like I don't know. I guess Dodgers Padres to me has more weight if it's the NLCS. Sure. You know what I mean? But at the same time the fact that there's eight teams left in four divisional pairings is very interesting. It's like, all right, well, if we're going to do this for one of them, we may as well do it for all of them. Let's do. Let's have this to be the division round. Who are you rooting for and who do you like? I'm rooting for the Padres, yes. the A's, the Rays, and the Marlins. Isn't everybody rooting for basically all those teams? I am. The Padres, like... Unless you're a Dodger fan, who's rooting for the Dodgers, right? The the A's versus the Astros, the whole world is rooting for the A's. The Rays versus the Yankees, like the evil empire, like is anybody going to Star Wars movies and rooting for the fucking, you know, the dark side, you know? And then and then the Braves, fuck the Braves. Braves Marlins, everybody's got to be rooting for the underdog, right? Yeah. And to be honest, none of this has surprised me that much. I mean, the Marlins upset, but I think the Cubs overachieved this year. Yeah. And, again, it's a three-game series. Yeah. Upset, like, teams win three-game series all the time during the course of the season. I mean, the Cardinals melting after a 4-0 lead with Adam Wainwright in Game 2. Like, that was a surprise. Yeah. But that was such a back-and-forth game. Yeah. I love this Padres team. That's why I wore my Padres hat today. We brought back the Brown, and we brought back the success of 
the Padres franchise. Do I want do do does our baseball spinoff show Dirty Slides want to take a hundred percent credit for bringing the Padres back to relevancy? No, I think got to give three or four percent to Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado. But I would say we would take ninety five to ninety six percent of responsibility for bringing the San Diego Padres back into relevancy by by demanding they bring back the Brown, which they did. And year one, they go to the playoffs. You're welcome. Win a series. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh they're a fun team to watch. And I- it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Like that'll be a testy series, you know. The Dodgers and the Giants have this famous rivalry and the Padres are the sort of the afterbirth of the NL West, constantly mocked. And they're they're not just Young and good now. They're really young and kind of really good. Like, they're going to be a problem for a long time. And the Dodgers, I believe this is what? They're what consecutive? Seventh consecutive NL West or something like that? Um, It's their division. It's been their division for a, a while. The Padres win this series. It It changes the NL West forever. Yeah. And I'll be rooting for them. Because, you know, like Donald Trump with white supremacy, until the Dodgers disavow Chase Utley, they're dead to me. Just disavow them. And the Dodgers are like, what do you want us to say? What do you want us to say? I, I, I know about Chase Utley. I know about him. What do you want me to, what do you want me to say? Stand down. Stand, stand down. <laughs> stand by and stand down. As for Ruben Tejada, he can't stand anymore. He can't stand by or stand down or stand up. Because Chase Utley ruined his leg. It's fine. Is Chase Utley a white supremacist? Do you think Chase Utley hates people of other colors? I think he does. You know what you need to watch. And I know I rave about it and you don't watch it really. you got to watch the South Park pandemic. I know. I I taped it. I mean, it's one of those where you're like, wow. They're they're, They're going so far there now. Of just, like, I'm pausing it. Like, what? Did they just say that? Did they just talk about not giving a single fuck? Yeah. I I love South Park, and I just, I haven't kept up with it, but I taped that episode specifically to watch it. And I will. I'll watch it today. You have my word. I mean, it it gave me some much-needed belly, like, belly laughs where I was really enjoying it. Now, did I enjoy that as much as I have enjoyed watch Russell Wilson cook this season? I don't know. It's a good question. Almost did a spit take. That's a nice transition. A voice cooking. Sometimes he's making his own recipe. When the headset goes out, like that drive yesterday. I didn't see that. Did his headset go out? Yeah, he said his headset went out on that when he threw that dime pass. He, he didn't have it the whole series. Which doesn't surprise me that Russ can call his own plays. Yeah. He's not Jared Goff. But you take credit for the Padres and bringing back the Brown. I'm not saying I'm going to take the credit, but what have I been saying for years? Let the guy throw the ball. Let him sling it more. Now, I think a lot of people were saying that too, hence the term let Russ cook. But none of that hand the ball off first and second down, throw the ball. Look, he didn't play his best game yesterday. 
they're still the, the, the they're still it's still a very similar approach though. Like that's the thing that people that that's my problem with the let Russ cook crowd is the guy is exceptional at throwing the ball in play action. And honestly, he's not just exceptional at throwing the ball in play action. The only time that he looks less than competent now is when they line him up in a shotgun with a running back next to him, and it's a clear passing situation. It's the play action, the moving the pocket. Like, I will take... Like if I had to, if I had money, if I was live betting on a play-by-play situation, I would go heavy when he's under center with a, a running back behind him, and I would bet against them when he's in a shotgun with a running back lined up next to him. They move the pocket, they they move the defense around with the play action. The whole thing, like, it's just also lunacy for the people who are like, you can, you don't need to run the ball to do play action. It's like. That's just stupid. That's just like it's whether or not that you can prove that in a, on a game by game or play by play situation. The bottom line is, if people don't respect the run, then they'll just go run the ball. That's why the Giants fucking suck at play action and every other passing thing because they're like, okay, we're gonna be in your backfield. You, we're not worried about pressing up our defensive backs to stop yeah. Saquon Barkley. The defensive line will stop Saquon Barkley in the backfield. So the thing with Russ is. The let Russ cook crowd is sort of also, you know, disregarding that the whole thing is set up by not necessarily letting him cook every play. You don't want Russell Wilson throwing the ball 40 times. And if you look at his stats on a game by game basis, 20 for 23, 21 for 24, 22 for 25, that's where they love to live. And that's where he has his success. Yeah, I agree. How many times did Tom Brady throw the ball yesterday? 46 times. You're not winning games if you're Seattle and you're just going, let's put him back there in the shotgun and throw the ball 46 times. Yeah, I don't want him to either. Right. So, but, you know, that's sort of, it's sort of the give and take with the let Russ cook crowd. It's like, let Russ cook means let him throw 40 times. Well, I think you want balance on any offense, like you're saying. Any team that is good offensively normally has balance with the run and passing game. Um, look, it was actually a good game. I actually enjoyed the game and it was, it was closer than a lot of people thought. I I, I thought it would be a good game and it was, I still think Seattle covered in that game. Yeah, they did. But there were, there were, there was a lot of games. You bring up Tom Brady. I was obviously rooting for the Chargers. Brady had a bad pick six. They were down seven. Brady looked bad in the first half and great in the second half. Yeah. Justin Herbert is the real deal. Yeah. Like, three straight starts. Touch, arm strength, you know, he's he moves well. Almost threw for 300 yards again, which would have been three in a row in his first three starts, which no one has ever done. You, we were texting about this. They can't possibly let Tyrod Taylor... I know that they injured him, which is so yeah, messed up. I know James Woods, the doctor from any given Sunday, stabbing him in the... Throat with a you know pain killing, you know syringe. Needle, yeah. yeah, is is what got him hurt, and it's tough to lose your job that way. But at the same point, you know the Tyrod Taylor thing, it's kind of the same thing either way. It's like now you feel like you owe him because you're not supposed to lose your 
job to injury. You're certainly not supposed to lose your job to medical malpractice. But here's <laughs> but here's what I'll say to the Browns, to the Chargers, to the Bills, to everybody. Why are you starting Tyrod Taylor in the first place? I mean, t- they're not in that game with Tyrod Taylor. They're not leading that game with Tyrod Taylor. I agree. Yeah. Tyrod Taylor's not throwing anywhere near 300 yards three games in a row. No. He threw for, he threw for 80-something yards in a playoff game. Oh, God, that was so bad. Against the Jags? Yeah. I just don't know how they give him that job. I know that they are responsible, but yeah. but how can you possibly – he's already playing well. Yeah. And so is Joe Burrow. Like, the two young guys, the two young guys who actually are playing who were drafted at quarterback yeah. – like, I really wouldn't have many criticisms of Burrow right now. How can you? I mean, he finally gets his first win. They're, like, they're just nonstop throwing the ball. They're in every game. Yeah, they're in every game. They're nonstop throwing the ball. They're 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 not running the ball. Like, they're a lot of sets, they're not putting a running back in the backfield. So they're just letting people tee off on Burrow. He's He's been mobile. He's been accurate. I mean, you're you talk about the young quarterback like their approach to burrow is the peyton manning approach the carson palmer approach like the the old school bring a guy in with the first overall pick let him play right away let him throw 25 picks in a year but he gets better fast yeah i mean they even i even just saw you know somebody do it with the with daniel jones comparison it's like doing the comparison to first 16 games of Peyton Manning. He's thrown like, you know, 10 less interceptions or whatever. And it's like yardage and touchdowns are the same. And it's like, well, first of all, it's a totally different world these days in the NFL. But there is something to throwing a guy in there and letting them learn on the job, provided you don't get them killed. Yeah. Which could happen to Burrow. Sure. Could certainly happen to Daniel Jones. Could Has happened to other young quarterbacks in the past, for sure. Yeah, but overall, I, I've been impressed with when we talk about Herbert and Burrow, their accuracy on difficult tight window throws. Yeah, I think that they've both been great. Yeah, and like you said, you just got to keep them on their feet because I don't know how many hits you can take before you get injured. And also, it's really just one. Like Burrow got lit up last week. And, you know, Herbert, at least they're, they're, you know, they're not a dumpster fire on the offensive line. They're not the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah, the Bengals are just... Look, he's a, he has an uphill battle, no lie. Like, and that's why I've said you still play for a Mike Brown-run organization that just gave $18 million for a one-year franchise tag to A.J. Green. A recklessly stupid decision. Yeah, and also... Look at that division, man. Division's going to be tough. I mean, the Browns looked great yesterday. Obviously, they gave up a lot of points and let the Cowboys back in it, but their offense looked exciting. Uh, the Ravens bounced back. The Steelers. 3-0. We don't know what the Steelers are going to be when they play a good team and when, if they get to play this game, whatever happens with the Steelers. They're they're now, what, like basically having a bye week? Yeah. And uh, so it'll be interesting. I believe the next game for the – Steelers is Steelers Eagles next week. So that should be an interesting test. Um, but 
it's certainly a tough division to be in if you're Joe Burrow. Sure. Which Cle- Baker Mayfield knows all about. Cleveland's offense looked great yesterday. Yeah. This is the best I've ever seen it. Because they're running the ball well. They ran for over 300 yards against the Cowboys. And that's and look and look, you know, the big. If you look at the, if you look at if you like did a fantasy, which I don't do anymore, but if you were a fantasy guy, you'd be like, oh, Odell goes off. You know, Odell has a reverse score. Odell has two receiving touchdowns. But all of that again set up by this running game, and and that's you know, in the NFL, you you kind of have to start there. You don't have to live and die by your running game. But it sets up everything else. And we've seen that going back as far as basically we can remember in teams that get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. You're not really doing it just chucking the ball around. Obviously, the Patriots have had moments of doing it uh, during the Brady-Belichick era. but And there's no one like Belichick in terms of swapping every single thing you do to fit your personnel. For the most part, if you don't have Bill Belichick, you better have a strong running game. Yeah. Well, they have depth. Chubb got hurt, and he's going to be out for a while. But you have Kareem Hunt. They have depth offensively all the way around. It was Odell's best game in I don't know how long. Like This was like old-school vintage Odell Beckham Jr. Baker Mayfield is improving. Yeah. And he, Baker missed a bunch of throws yesterday, and he's still kind of erratic. But... At the same time, you like they have so many weapons. Their defense is okay, although they obviously let they gave up a lot of points late and let the Cowboys back into that game. But they have playmakers on defense as well. Baker just needs to like dial it in a little bit more. Yeah, I actually would prefer it if you don't w- wake up feeling dangerous. Yeah, I'd w- I'd prefer it if you woke up feeling very safe. You're just like I woke up today v- feeling very safe. I have a uh, I put a caution tape around just to make sure no one slips and falls. Uh, I'm feeling very safe this morning. You know, I've been critical of Baker. Protocols are important to me. I've been critical of him and critical on how why do you care about Colin Cowherd and Twitter and social media, which I think are valid points. Of course they are. But I will also say I think the progressive commercials are hilarious. (laughs) Progressive book club. That's a great one. I think Baker is really genuinely funny in that, and I also think he's really funny when he's carrying the groceries and trying to get into the stadium. Like, I think Baker is legit good in those. Yeah. I'll, I'll give him credit. I got to give somebody credit where credit's due. <laughs> you're like, I still think that you're a questionable quarterback, but great job in all your commercial work. The book club one is really funny. Yeah. And I'm even surprised after such a bad year then everybody doubled down on him. Progr- Hulu has live sports. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They stuck with Baker Mayfield as a marketable, you know, marketable guy. And it seems to be working because the commercials are great. And the team 3 and 1 We don't really just we don't usually say that about the Browns. No. Have we ever said that about the Browns? When's the last time the Browns were 3 and 1? I don't know. I'm sure it's out there. It's been Bernie a while. Kosar? Probably, right? Now we got to talk about the Cowboys. Have you ever seen, because Dak shattered the most yards in the first four games, and I don't want to take a dig at Dak, but have you ever seen what I would call more empty stats in your life? Like Russell Westbrook? Yeah. 
I mean, there we've we've had some quarterbacks over the years that did this kind of this thing. This is next level. This is next level. Um, and that's not a dig at him in particular because it's not his fault. He has the worst defense ever. Right. Uh, it like it's not a dig at him. It's also like the Cowboys get down early, you know. So it's like if you're in the game the whole time. You you don't get the the comeback stats. You know what I mean? The slop stats at the end of just it seems like I wonder what Dak's you know fourth quarter yardage looks like. We're just throwing them back into the game, throwing them back into the game. Throwing them. now they should be zero and four. Yeah, but at the same time they've come back in these games. It's like you can never count them out. I just think the NFC East is abysmal. What well, is? There's no thinking. And, you know, the the thing about the NFC is everybody, and I'm one of them, who's saying, like, are we really doing this? We're really going to give these teams. But, like, the NFC East is just the latest of this. I mean, how long did we go where the AFC South was this? You know? I don't know about this, man. This is next level. I mean, the, think, the AFC think, South. Think about the Colts 10 years ago, the Texans 10 years ago, the Jaguars 10 years ago. But I think it was a lot of 9-7, and 8-8. Eight and eight. I don't see that this year. They're 3-12-1 combined right now. Yeah. It's historically Giants bad. are only a game out, bud. <laughs> and I talked about McCarthy earlier. I just didn't understand that. Hot, like this. Salute. Who are you talking? I mean, I can't even. I'm just gonna let you go because, like, what I what what can I say about Mike McCarthy that I haven't already said about Mike McCarthy? Like, just think about Bill O'Brien getting fired eventually. He's 0 four, by the way. The Texans 0 four. Who's a bigger boob at this point? Yeah, they're both. They're like I honestly can't tell them apart sometimes when I look at them, but think about somebody hiring Bill O'Brien when he gets fired. But they will exactly. That's my point. Recycling these mediocre coaches or bad coaches. I don't care how much offense you have, their defense is so bad. It's so porous. The secondary. I don't know if I've seen a worse secondary. I've been saying this about the Cowboys defense for a while, and everybody goes, oh, Cowboys defense, sneaky good, sneaky good, sneaky good. It's like, at some point, you have to stop people for me to say that you're good, sneaky good, suspiciously good. Like, I like the empty stats, you know, we talk about empty stats on offense, empty stats. Like, defense is a totally different situation. If you're not stopping people, you're not good. Yeah. Well, that's it. I put it all on Jerry Jones. Everything. He's still the GM. He's still calling the shots. They still have not made a NFC Championship game in 25 years. I'm just going to extend that to this year already. It's been 20, 25 years, a quarter of a century, since they've legitimately competed for a Super Bowl. He's not a good GM, he's not a good owner. And this is all on him. And he hires people like Mike McCarthy. It's on him. I feel like no one talks about that. The, the, the Cowboys have just been in this medi- this mediocre state for a while. And no one is talking about that. They're just not good as an organization. Yeah. It's a poorly run organization. Keep drafting all the stud receivers. The Des Bryants. The CD it's very, Rams. It's very Raiders. It's very Al Davis Raiders, right? The the 
owner GM, the bigger than the bigger than the franchise owner. You know, the he loves the flashy receiver. He loves the problem child, giving the problem child a second chance. This isn't like if you look at if you look at historically in the NFL, like that doesn't work. It doesn't. When has it ever worked? And again, let's not talk about the exception of the rule. Bill Belichick comes in and like scoops up a Randy Moss after he was a dumpster fire on the Raiders. That's that's not about Bill Belichick as much as it's Randy Moss was ruined by the fucking Raiders. Yeah, I like this analogy. It's a good point. What is the difference between Jerry Jones and Al? Al Davis had early on success with the Raiders. They won a couple Super Bowls. Just like Jerry Jones won three early on in his tenure. They're actually very similar. The Oakland Raiders slash L.A. Raiders at the time Yeah, are the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. No, and look, the... uh the Cowboys may very well win the NFC East. But they're not good. No. In fact, they should be 0-4. Yeah. There should be one less win in the NFC East right now. You know who else isn't good? As an organization. The Detroit Lions. It's yeah. just... You know, there's like three coaches in their history with 500 records. It's sad. I saw this stat from uh, ESPN Stats and Info on Twitter. The Lions have now lost six consecutive games in which they led by 10-plus points. That doesn't even make sense. The longest such streak in NFL history. That doesn't make sense because they haven't lost six straight games, right? So what, like, if you break down that stat, it's in the wins that they've had, they didn't lead by 10 points. Exactly. And in games that they lead by 10 points, they blow it. Like the the Detroit Lions are like they're literally doing things unheard of historically. When it comes, when it comes to like the win probability. Sure. The idea of being up 10 points in the game is like, okay. That's that's good. It's like not for us. Like in hockey, there's like a I forget what it is. Is a two goal lead or a three? Like you'd rather be up two goals than three goals because three goals you get like complacent and teams are more likely to come back. It's like it, it's almost like the Nuggets being down three one. They played so well. It's like if the Lions are up nine with a extra point to go up ten, like miss it. I'm trying to think if I'm a sports fan. Of three teams, three traditionally bad teams in the NFL. The Browns, the Bengals, and the Lions. Like, where is it worse to be a team, a fan of, between those three? I think... Who's in the worst spot? right now? Right now. Well, I think the Lions have to be in the worst spot because the, the Browns seem to be improving. The Bengals have hope. There's no hope in Detroit. And in Detroit, you're if you're in Detroit and you have hope, your hope is Matt Stafford isn't going to be the next guy to quit his profession to escape the Detroit Lions. <laughs> this has happened 
twice. To arguably two best players their position. In history. I wouldn't say Calvin Johnson is the greatest wide receiver of all time, but he was trending as a top five receiver of all time. Easily. I, I would like to quit playing football. They're like, why? He's like, I don't want to play for the Lions anymore. And it's a situation where the players who have done it are so good that they can't even say, I want to go play somewhere else. Could they, they're so good, their team would never let them go play somewhere else. I'm, I mean, we've talked about it before, but I'm just hopeful that the Lions free Matt Stafford. Free Lions fans. Maybe just end as an organization. Yeah. Save the fans. Sometimes you just got to call it quits. This, this, you know, sometimes businesses experiments don't work. Yeah. Like you might be running a business, especially right now in a pandemic. There's lots of them out there, sadly, that are struggling. Sometimes you just got to call it quits. Yeah. The Detroit Lions are blockbuster video. It's like, what are you going to do, man? No one wants to fucking. <laughs> I love that analogy. No one wants to be kind of rewind anymore. <laughs> Streaming's a thing. You missed the boat. They are. And can, and while we're discussing blockbuster, can we end Redbox? Why? Why you? <laughs> what are you doing? When I go to pavilions or some of the grocery stores, and I see red, like outside of a Seven Eleven. Who are these people? I don't know. You're touching I, random C you're touching random DVDs in a pandemic? I don't know the deal today either with like video game. I know for a while like video games were big, but I think you can basically download every video game now as yeah. well. I'm not positive. I, I'm not I'm not quite a big gamer. I don't know if there's some things that you can only get if you Yeah. Have the disc. But yeah. Cause you can get every movie. Now even things that like, remember there was a time where it's like, oh, you can only get this as a rental and then it'll be available. It's like now you can get everything. Sure. Who wins the NFC West? The Cardinals lost yesterday. They're now two and two. The Niners are now two and two after a game they could not lose against the Eagles. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to come down to the Rams and the Seahawks. Yeah, I think I, so. I like the Rams. The Rams did not look great yesterday against my Giants. I would have like I I'm now I've now gone to the point in my Giants season where I'm betting against the Giants, and then like it's a win-win either way. Either I win that they that my team actually wins a game, or I win on them losing. Of course, the they, the fucking Rams couldn't cover, so I get fucking burned in the middle because the goddamn Giants are trying to ruin my life. Um, but. The Rams didn't look great yesterday offensively. And I actually, you know, props to the Giants, too. I've been saying it all year. The Giants' defense has looked act as active as it's looked in a decade. They have some strong personnel, finally, on every level of the defense. At least one or two guys who are playmakers on every level of the defense. And, of course, the Giants' offense is a dis- disgrace. Oh, my God. But So painful to watch. But, uh... Like, I, you know, I liked the Niners' chances of coming back and playing well. They just have, obviously, had a bunch of injuries. Um, So, I think even if you get, have a situation where the Niners get more healthy down the year and they're competing for a playoff spot, I could see them, you know, winning a playoff game 
on the road. But right now, with their injuries and with the way those other two teams are playing, I think it's got to come down to them. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to come down to Rams and Seahawks. I think yesterday was very disappointing for the Cardinals. The Cardinals are going to be the team that plays spoiler in the NFC West. Sure. They're going to be a team that beats these NFC West teams. They've already done it with the Niners. But, like, that's the game that's going to be a, a trap is when the Rams and the Seahawks are playing the Cardinals. Yeah. That was a really rough game to watch last night. The Niners-Eagles game? Yeah, it was tough. Yeah. It was tough to watch. It was tough to hear what they were saying wearing masks, the whole thing. Yeah, that was weird. We had we were going back and forth between the sound of the NBA game and the NFL game. Um, what what do you think? Let me ask you about this game. Which, like, who will gain more positive or negative momentum from that game? Is that a bigger boost for the Eagles or a bigger, like, blow to the Niners? Good question. I mean, it puts the Niners at two and two. The Seahawks are obviously four and zero. The Rams are three and one. Um. I think it the, puts the Eagles in first place, although again, they have one win. I'd say Niners. Nothing from that game showed me, hey, the Eagles can win nine games this year. But what I did learn from that game was wow, the injuries are so bad on San Francisco. And then they're going to a third string quarterback because Mullins isn't playing well. And although it, Bethard came in and was slaying it. Yeah. This dude came out with his red beard. Fucking the pirate red beard gave zero fucks. <laughs> I was like, well, why didn't you guys just do this? Like, why wasn't this your approach with Mullins? Like, it almost it almost felt like it was a very um like, oh well, we tried. Yeah. We tried to play this game right. And then uh, Mullins didn't play and now just like get in there and like I was like, I love this. Yeah. We're fucking slinging it at the end. I mean, the Eagles have so many injuries too. I don't even know who Carson Wentz is throwing the ball to. Yeah. I think it's the Niners, though, because the NFC is so much tougher and that division is NFC so much West. tougher. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and they won the division last year. Yeah. Which means they have to play all the other division winners. So they're going to go through a whole gauntlet. They might do what the Rams did. They have a great season, then they go like 9-7. and seven. Yeah. They're still going to be competitive. They're still going to be right in the thick of things, for sure. Got to give Josh Allen some love again. This is your new man crush. I, I just think that I'm going to go on record right now and say it. The Buffalo Bills are contenders to make the Super Bowl. Wow. I mean, you, I, how could you not say it right now, I guess, if you were going to make the claim, if you were going to ask somebody whether or not they are, like I'm not going out on, a, I'm not going out on my house holding a press conference to say the Buffalo Bills are Super Bowl contenders. But you can't say that they're not. If you're like, are they? It's like you can't say that they're not. They're playing well. They've beaten – I mean, I picked against them two straight weeks because I just – you know, you look at – it seemed like the Rams weren't getting the respect that they deserved, and the Rams came back. That game was kind of crazy. And uh, this game was, in a way – 
closer and not as close as the points. Yeah. It's like it was close for a while, but it wasn't a seven-point game at the end. Um, the Yeah, I mean, what you say, the Bills are on the road. Like, the Josh Allen thing is so – it's he, – he still makes wild decisions, but you kind of love it. It's like, great, go for it. It's Brett Favre-esque. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the play he got hurt on where he, you know, backhand double play ball, tosses it out there. Like, it's kind of crazy, but he seems like he can take a licking, and I'm into it. He's, it's fun to watch, that's for sure. You know, they were saying during that game yesterday, I forget who it was in the Bills, but one of the players, I think defensively, was saying, we love Josh because he's not one of these prima donna quarterbacks, basically. You know, he takes hits, and he's ready to put it all out there. Yeah. So it seems He delivers like, hits a little bit, too. I mean, he's yeah. a big guy. He's attacking people and when he's running the ball. Their running game is decent. They've got Diggs playing really well. The defense is looking great. And that's my, that's my reason for saying I know it's four games in, but the AFC's weaker than the NFC. Obviously, you're going to have the Chiefs. You're going to have the Ravens. But, like, after that, I mean, I'm not trying to take a dig at Lamar Jackson. Legitimate question. Long term. Who do you want? Right now, Josh Allen throws a better ball than Lamar Jackson. Yeah. He just does. He, throw, he throws a better deep ball. Uh, Lamar still hasn't won a playoff game. I mean, the the... The, that question kind of resides on the fact that both, and and this is what I would always say with Cam, is it's I don't mind at all playing this style when your guys are young and they're developing, and this is how you have to win games. The older you get, the harder it is to do this consistently. the 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 harder it is going to be, and both guys are still very very young. Sure. But I'm talking about your seven, eight. When you say long term, when you start reaching, you know, the cusp of 30 years old, the idea that your goal line play is snap the ball to your quarterback, have him run into a pile off tackle, it becomes just scientifically reckless. That being said, I think I like Josh Allen's potential of transforming himself into more of just a straight passer. Yeah. Than Lamar Jackson. Sure. Yeah. And they like this style. They like throwing it downfield. They do. And he's good at it. And yeah. He's a- and he's accurate. And we've talked about the play action uh, cheat code. I mean, when your running game is decent and you got a guy who can throw the ball. I mean, there is a strategy in the NFL at this point where it's like, we're going to throw this ball downfield. Maybe it gets caught. Maybe he gets interfered with. Those are two potential positive outcomes. Yeah. And and the, the flip side is it's incomplete or it's intercepted. It's like high risk, high reward, but I like that strategy. Yeah. I think yesterday's Bears game, first of all, was very boring. Yeah. Secondly, I think that was more that was more of a game I'm gonna expect to see from the Bears. Eleven points. Well, 
you know, everybody wanted to have the hot take on Nick Foles, but I think that we need to talk more about the Colts defense. Colts defense is playing exceptional football. It's good. I mean, they might be the best defense in football right now. And, you know, Phillip Rivers still looks suspect. I mean, they'll be he like there was a couple times in that game where the game should have been long o- over, but he can't. He's got third and eight, and he can't hit a guy on an eight yard out. Yeah, he. I. I mean, I literally watched one. I think. He, so are you joining Team Ruther? Where I'm like, yo, dude, he lost his touch. I mean, I think that there's a little bit of. Look, I'm not a Philip Rivers hater, and I'm not a Philip Rivers defender. I would say I've always been a Philip Rivers truther. Like, I'm not on the Philip Rivers as this fucking, like, to be protected at all costs. Like, his legacy is, like, I have, I've been critical of Philip Rivers more than I've been complimentary of Philip Rivers. Um, I just think that the thing about Philip Rivers and aging is, he he has not adjusted for it. It's third and eleven or whatever, and he's just like backpedaling, doing his shot putting throw. It's like you've always thrown the ball this way, and now you're throwing the ball this way, going off your back foot at almost forty. It doesn't. It's not going to work. And the flip side of it is, this is what I was talking about with this Colts team the last couple of years, and how reckless it was to not give them a quarterback who's just competent because Philip Rivers doesn't look good and they're winning games by running the ball and playing defense and not having a total question mark back there. So yeah, you, we can all say, Oh, the bears should have gone back to Trubisky or the bears should have started Trubisky and brought Foles in because that's how he thrives as a backup. It's like, I watched a game and I was just like, man, the Colts defense is really good. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I have a lot of questions about Phillip Rivers. He can look great one play, and then you're like, what the hell? The but that's play. kind of his career, right? Yeah. A little bit? I mean, the Texans are done, so you can already cross them out that division. Yeah, the Texans are done. Bill so, O'Brien's a So, boob. I don't know if you know this. So, Bill O'Brien is the coach, the GM, and starting this week, he's calling plays. Like, he has complete carte blanche with that Texans organization. And now he's caught, like, free to Sean Watson. He gets rid of DeAndre Hopkins. They're 0-4. He's, I mean, are we still at one season at any level of football where he's won double-digit games? Two seasons? I mean, the resume for Bill O'Brien, like, what kind of blackmail does he have on ownership there? At no point did he deserve to be the head coach. The idea that he then got the GM job is ridiculous. That he's like the head of player personnel is ridiculous. No, he's, he's won 10 games twice. So At, Penn, at any level. College. Penn State, he went 8-4, and 7-5. and five. Texans, 9-7, and 9-7, and 9-7, and 4-12, and 11-5, and 10-6, and six, and 0-4. And this year. So the last two seasons he's won 10 The last plus. two seasons when he had DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson, he squeaked himself over the double-digit mark. He's such a boob. There's no, there's nothing about the Texans' offense in the, in the entire Bill O'Brien tenure 
that is anything besides uh, playmakers make plays. Try. See what you can do. Just be exceptional. There's no offensive personality yeah. at all. What do the Texans do on offense? I don't know. No one does. <laughs> Deshaun Watson doesn't know. Guru. Because he was Tom Brady's No one has coach. said that. But I'm saying he has a career because of it. Yeah. Bad. They're going to be really bad. And they, and not only that, they lost to the Vikings. Who are also not good. Yeah. Have you seen this girl who Mike Zimmer supposedly dating? I didn't understand it. I thought it was like, I thought it was photoshopped. I mean, what is this girl's deal? <laughs> I mean, Mike Zimmer can't even be that rich. He's not good looking. He's super weird. He's the coach of the Minnesota Vikings, who have been disappointing in his like. Is Mike Zimmer even like getting a lot of like "What's up, coaches?" at like Minnesota restaurants? I think Zimmer's a fine coach. He's he, yeah. I mean, man, he's been there since 2014. He's 57 and 40 overall. I think he's pretty good, Joe. He's had he's had one losing season. Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm saying. He's been fine. I don't know what her deal is. Good for Zim. Yeah. Do we need BSO to investigate this? I think he's busy. He's like, neither of them are black. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> this is a job for Dirty Sports. I turn this one over to you guys. I want to. We're gonna get to dirtball calls here. Before we do that, I saw a comment in the YouTube section. I gotta read. Yeah. I don't know if it's true or not. From Kyle Aronofsky, Jacob Faith is getting his dirty sports tattoo removed today. Oh, that's sad. I mean, Jacob Faith just disappeared off the radar. He got a tattoo, and like weeks later, he was gone. <laughs> but also, it's on his ass. Like, what is? What's he covering up with, or is he just having it removed? Yeah. And and then also like why like what is that, what does that look like? He's, he's 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 done explaining it to people that he's no longer the hockey correspondent. He sent me a nice message when my dad died, so he's still alive. Right, um, which was always the question mark. I mean, I mean, he, I know we're gonna do this for the the farewell episode from the Smut Studio. I mean, he's he's the ultimate like burn burn bright. And burned out fast, right? That he had a those calls, those calls from Earl's wine he had, bar. He had like a flag on his trailer, he had like a dirty sports flag on his trailer. He got a he got a tattoo. He was like, you know, very active in like attacking people online who you know talked bad about the dirty sports. Now I know Bard also has a dirty sports tattoo on his ass, right? So he he will have the lone dirty sports tattoo on his ass. That's yeah. got to move him up the rankings. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. It's like when Neil Armstrong dies, you know? It's like, okay, well, the last living man to go to the moon. Yeah. Yeah, Jacob Faith came in hot. Yeah, super hot. We've watched him grow up, and we've watched him. Oh, look at this. This is a video, or a, a shot. Dirty Sports 
Ass Tattoo Removal Day. Thanks for the memories. I hate looking at it every time I do doggy. Does that even make sense? <laughs> what? It, like in the mirror? I mean, yeah. Or is that like his boyfriend's Snapchat? <laughs> Yeah, because I've never looked at my own ass. I look at my own ass. Yeah, that's... The, it's confusing. I, but I don't mind him getting it removed. Like, dude, do you. We we all make decisions. <laughs> like, like, I'm not going to judge you for having a dirty sports tattoo on your ass removed. But the explanation, suspect. Right? Yeah. He said he sees it in the mirror. Just getting, I'm getting text updates from fucking Aronofsky. Oh, the memories. Guys, the hotline is 310-359-8365. Give a ring. Throw on those headphones, Joe. We're going to get to some dirtball calls. All right, let's do it. What do we got today? Someone uh, who, I guess Kyle, I know, or whoever else is on this, like, Tell Jacob Faith that we're doing a retrospective for next episode. We need a call, preferably from Earl's Wine Bar, preferably drunk, explaining his tattoo removal. It's just, I mean, let's put a let's let's put a bookend on this thing. Yeah. Okay. This first call is non-sports, but I just have a feeling. I know you and your brothers, and I have a feeling there's going to be a, a Prano story out of this. All right. This is interesting. Hey guys, it's Zach. Keller from uh, Indiana, who's your dirtball. Um, I was watching the HBO Max documentary about Action Park, and it got me wondering if you guys have any, like, savage theme park stories. I know Joe grew up near there, and Andy from Ohio near uh, Kings Island. I just thought it might be fun to hear some savage uh, theme park stories. So uh, stay dirty, guys. Thanks. That uh, Action Park is uh, right on the other side of the Hudson from where I'm from. Mikey lives right near where Action Park was now. So what is this documentary he's talking about? Uh, I think it's called Class Action Park or something like that. Do you know about Action Park? No, I don't. Oh, you got to watch it. Well, we should watch it together. Action Park is this theme park uh, in like the New York, New Jersey border area, like right where Mikey lives now. That was like every attraction, every ride, everything was like hyper dangerous. Like they had multiple drowning deaths in the wave pool. They had like a they had a water slide that did a full loop and people would get all kinds of fucked up on the loop. People get stuck. People get smashed in it. People like caught themselves on like. You know, jagged screws coming out of it. Jesus. There was, uh, oh, there used to be commercials when we were a kid for Action Park. And we'd be like, we want to go there. And I think my brother John went there a couple times. My mom straight up like wouldn't let me and Mikey go to Action Park. And we, but like, she didn't have a lot of rules. Like, we had all kinds of wild shit that we did. And it was like, like, there was a rope swing where, like, Basically, none of the safety measures that you know in any sort of uh, theme park. None. 
No safety measures. Multiple deaths at Action Park. I got I got one for you. We're talking about deaths. I remember when this happened. In nineteen ninety one. So Kings Island is the big amusement park in Greater Cincinnati. It's right across from where they do the, the big tennis tournament mm-hmm. in Mason, Ohio. Probably like, I don't know, forty, forty five minutes from my parents' house. Three people died the same night at the amusement Jeez. park. Two men, there was a giant pond, there was a giant like water pond when you walk in. Two men were electrocuted. Okay. So one fell in, and then an employee tried to save that person. And they got electrocuted? They both got electrocuted. And then a third person got shocked but didn't die. And that same night, there was this old thing called the flight commander where you know you get harnessed in and you can spin around mm-hmm. and you're way up. Some drunk chick didn't buckle herself. And just got thrown. Just fell out when she turned. So three people died the same night. That's wild. I know for sure, and I my brother listens to the show these days, Mikey. If you're listening, he definitely has a better memory of like theme like wild shit we did at theme parks. I know that there's something in there that I'm forgetting. I mean, the one that jumps out to me is Mikey and John. The when we would all go as a family, the first thing they would do is like take Mikey to the uh, take Mikey to like the office and. You know, say he was a cripple and get a a wheelchair, <laughs> and th- th- he just they just push Mikey through the theme park in a wheelchair, and we would skip the line. Like, oh no, wait, take the handicap pass, go right up the front. And Mike, I mean, Mikey's been doing this for years. Uh, he, I remember he did it at a casino one time. We got he got like a handicap cart, and I was like driving around with like a case of beer in the basket. But uh, yeah, we used to skip the lines because we had cripple Mikey in a in a wheelchair. Um, but I'm certain that there's ridiculous other things that happened. That I know I've t- I know I've told this story before, but I'll retell it. It involves the Spanish exchange student that lived at our house, Frank, from Barth <laughs> Frank from Barcelona. You know they have that list because they because yeah. s- they speak uh, a little different up there. So my brother Greg wanted an exchange student at the house to party with. Because our other good friend had an exchange student who was fun and like the party animal. So his whole goal of an exchange student was that. He didn't get a party animal. We got the biggest dork ever, Frank. He lived at our house for like two or three months. Greg couldn't stand him. So we go to Kings Island one day. We go. The first ride we go to is the Vortex, which was recently shut down, but it was like a great ride. It's one of the first ever, you know, had the corkscrews and all like it was one of those that when it came out it was a roller coaster yeah when it came out in 1988 it was like one of the best ones in the country so we go straight to the vortex i'm in like i don't know seventh grade my little brother's in fourth grade greg's in high school it's a fall day so it's not too crowded we get right on we're all excited frank is terrified afterwards he had never been on anything like this all the loops and corkscrews and the height. and He's like shaking when we get off the ride. And Greg's like, you're such a bitch. He's like, it's the best ride ever. Like, what's fucking wrong with you? So then we go on like a, a minor small one, especially for my little brother who's like nine or ten at the time. The Screaming Eagles, he wouldn't even get on that. And my brother Greg was so mad. He's like, you're such a fucking pussy. This is a great, 
amusement park. You got to enjoy the rides. Like he wouldn't go on any roller coasters after that. Hilarious. Because he terrified Frank. I had a pass there, eighth, eighth grade. That was a thing to pick up girls. Yeah, the yeah the season pass. I got a season pass. It was a hundred dollars. And how far away from your house is it? Like how long is this ride? It's like forty five minutes. The amusement park. So that was a big gift for me for my eighth grade graduation. But how do you get there? My parents would take me. They didn't like it. But they parents would take turns. Yeah. Right? Like our friends, our group of guy friends. I mean, they drop you off for the day. Right. Like they come back and get you. Yeah. Like you know how it was. Yeah. Kids aren't like how they are now. They like today. They don't do that shit. But drop you off. See you ten hours later. And that was the thing when you were like fourteen. Is like you try to meet girls at Kings Island and you try to get them in. Uh, God, what was the ride? You try to get you try to get in their vortex. Yeah, you would try to take them in the the one thing you know where you sit in the thing and it spins around and it's like a dark haunted house. But like that was the place to like make out and finger bang girls. Okay. <laughs> finger bang girls. Like, did you have a spot like that where like no. you know like you you know that's where you make your move? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. I bet Mikey has some stories. Yeah. They'll have to call us up. I remember there was also a time when we went to uh, Coney Island. You know, it was a very, obviously a very famous theme park in Coney sure. Island. And there was a, uh, there's a, oh, what's it called? The Cyclone. It's like the famous old, it's a wood uh, roller coaster. It's over 100 years old. Yeah. For sure. And, uh, People go, it's not even like that fun of a roller coaster. And people go just to like ride the cyclone. Sure. You know, it's like a, like a historic roller coaster. But it, it sounds like an old roller coaster. So we used to go, whenever we'd go to Coney Island, we'd like talk up people on the line, people visiting from like wherever. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're from London. It's like, it's your first time on the cyclone? Yeah. It's like, oh, I've ridden it 700 times. This is my 700th time riding the roller coaster. And they're like, oh, it's so crazy. And you're like, you're going to take pictures and the whole thing. And they're like, yeah. And then as you start going up the thing, you know, you know, the roller coaster is like makes that sound that if it's climbing, like the sound of the, the, uh, the cyclone climbing is aggressively loud. I'm sure. Clacking. It's that old wooden roller coaster. Yeah. My buddy and I would always be like, what's this sound? We're like talking to somebody next to us. They think we've ridden it 700 times. We're like, what's this clacking? What's this clacking? Stop the ride. Stop the ride. And the people be like, what? 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 And then you get to the top and you start going down. No, it's terrifying great. people. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody taught me that one. I haven't been in a theme park in a long time. Yeah, me either. Like, I, I'm talking like 20 years. I mean, have you been to Magic Mountain? No. I, I went to Magic Mountain once when I visited Los Angeles. Pretty solid. You got all the shit. I'll go, I'll go, now that I'm moving back, I'll go to Kings Island. All right, let's get to some other calls. Hey, guys. Charlie from Minnesota calling in about my record-setting Minnesota Twins. Uh, we just lost our 18th consecutive playoff game, which, as you all know, is a record for the longest playoff losing streak in any sport ever in history. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, I'm not even going to talk about the Vikings and their 10 conference championship games, the zero Super Bowl wins to show for it, or the Timberwolves or the Wild slash North Stars. Uh, I'm just wondering what you guys think cursed the Twins. Is it getting rid of 26-year-old David Ortiz, uh, something like that, Big Poppy Curse? I don't know. I personally think it comes from the movie Little Big League. So in just about every sports movie ever, the main team does something miraculous, wins it all, 
Uh, in that movie, the Twins are obviously the main team. And they get robbed in the last game of a home run by Ken Griffey Jr. and don't even make the playoffs. Um, that kind of sums up how the Twins have been since then. So I kind of just want to hear you guys' thoughts if what cursed them or I don't know. Uh, anyways, love you guys. Stay dirty. How dare you put this juju on Little Big League? The, one of the most underrated sports movies of all time. You know, I've never seen that. It's so good. It's really so good. It's a great movie. I love it. It, like, to me, it came out right around the same time as Rookie of the Year. And people bonered out for Rookie of the Year. Like, I think there might have even been a Rookie of the Year, too, right? No, there wasn't. There wasn't. Little Big League is so much better than Rookie of the Year. It's really good. Um, so don't put that curse on, on little big league. Although they, yeah, spoiler, they do lose. Um, what could it be though? Like what? I mean, Kirby pocket. Didn't he get into some bad? <laughs> wasn't he like, uh, he, he passed away. Yeah. Wasn't he like assaulting people in bathrooms and stuff like that? Was that like a Kirby pocket? Didn't he have some sexual assault allegations? Well, let's hope you're right, especially with him. I'm not. I'm not trying to being, piss on the grave of yeah. Kirby Puckett, but I think th- I think they called him One-Eyed Willie because <laughs> of his bathroom actions. Man, he passed away young. Yeah, forty-five. Domestic violence. Following his retirement, Puckett's reputation was damaged by numerous incidents. Yikes. Yeah, he had multiple incidents, one including uh, he threatened to kill somebody. Curse of Kirby. Is that the answer, then? Kirby curse. What year did Kirby die? He passed away in 2006. When's the last Minnesota Twins playoff win? I'm going with the Kirby curse. I think you're on to something here. Can't get hits in the playoff playoffs if your most famous player ever is hitting his wife at the same time. They last won a game in 2002. They won the division series. They've lost every game since 2003. Which is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different playoffs. Since 2003. Yes, it's right around that time when he was doing that stuff. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Kirby starts with a K. Karma starts with a K. (laughs) Striking out. It's a K. The K. The Kirby curse. Minnesota's bad, but, dude, Cincinnati's pretty bad, too. Yeah. The Reds' last win was 95 series, last playoff series win. The Bengals last I mean, win. your former owner is a literal Nazi. That's that's a tough one. It's a she, tough she curse. Was, she was not a literal Nazi. I think she was a literal Nazi. Did she have tons of Nazi paraphernalia? No, I don't think that's true. No? Did she have some? I think she did. I thought she did. I thought she had, like, Nazi paraphernalia. She's and the that guy was from like American the, Beauty? Yeah. But you figure the Bengals haven't won a playoff game since 91. The Reds haven't won a playoff series since 95. Like, combined. 
Maybe it's a sleeveless jersey curse. Although they want they want to they both won titles I think without sleeves. Now maybe the Twins had sleeves back in their title days. Yeah, tough sledding for uh, for Minnesota. The Minnesota sports fan. Yeah. We actually have another call about Minnesota. Let's do it. Let's get all the Minnesota. Yeah, let's do it. Andy, Joe, take two from uh, your number one farmer dirt ball, Jay from Minnesota, live from the combine. Cutting some soybeans tonight. Excellent crop. <laughs> um, got the push notification that Jimmy Butler scored 40 points and led the heat to a victory. And as someone in Timberwolves territory, nothing chaps my ass more <clears throat> than seeing him do great just because, I mean, I still love Jimmy, but we had the guy, and we let him off the hook. Um, I would trade our whole goddamn roster just for Jimmy Butler. We need to get a GoFundMe going to start a, a dirty sports dirt ball and Kevin Garnett ownership group to purchase the Timberwolves. What would you re, what would you rename the Timberwolves if we somehow got into cahoots with uh, Mr. Kevin Garnett? Great to have you back, Andy. Stay dirty, gentlemen. I like this. I like Kevin Garnett being involved. Does Kevin Garnett have Timberwolves beef these days? I forget. They haven't retired his number, or they have, or... They're planning to. I don't know. I thought he had beef with them for a minute. Um, the Minnesota, anything is possible. The Minnesota big tickets. I mean, what do you call? Well, what is something that is native? Why are they called the Timberwolves? I assume there's wolves up there, right? Sure. But, like, if Kevin Garnett is getting involved, I feel like we just got to, like, make it Kevin Garnett heavy. What if it has something to do with Prince? Ooh. That's that's a very WNBA team name, but like the Minnesota Purple Rain. Sounds like a Major League Soccer team. Yeah. Something to do with Prince or like royalty, obviously, after Prince. Yeah. The Minnesota Queens. It's a gay guy in drag. Uh, I like I like a Prince reference. What else is Minnesota known for? You got me. I don't know. Cold. Putting knees on guys' necks. Yeah. Ooh, that's a, a little too soon. Yeah. The Lakes, obviously, the Lakers have that. Right. There's another curse. They leave Minnesota. Lakers have, what is this, their 32nd final or something? And Minnesota's got nothing? Man. Yeah, I don't know. The Minnesota Abominable Snowmen? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, like the, I like either a Prince reference or a Kevin Garnett reference. If we're getting Kevin Garnett involved in the dirty sports. I like the Minnesota anything is possible. <laughs> it's got a great ring to it, Joe. Except for Kevin Garnett getting 800 SATs. 
<laughs> Joke will never get old. That's uh, a good one. Okay, the last call I'm going to play today cuts off, and I really want to know, but this is such a mystery for us, dude. That's why I have to play it. Okay. It's 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 a long call, but actually this is a long call I proved because it tees up the whole situation, and we don't have an answer because he didn't call back, which makes me think, dude, you got to call back. Whoever this is from 916, you got to call back because this call had me thinking what oh yeah i saw this the whole show i saw this on the rundown i'm like how is this possibly my fault hey guys it's their paul billy uh a rough night last night quick story for you so dating his girlfriend really like her and her parents are a little on the fence with me because uh well, because I'm a de- degenerate. But uh, they're coming to town for a month from out of state, staying here, visit us. So I talked to my girlfriend, and we both agree this is a good opportunity to maybe win them over. So I go get my hair cut. My buddy, I, I shave. Uh, I go to Ross and pick out some preppy-ass outfit. Ross. Um, so we go to the airport, pick them up. And uh, her mom says a comment about how good I look. So really feeling like, uh, you know, this could be the trip, uh, starting it off right. Well, we're heading out of the airport, and traffic's pretty bad. So uh, I mostly use Apple Maps on my phone. <laughs> but sometimes if there's traffic, I switch it over to Waze only once every few months. You know where this is going. Probably. Yeah. And, uh you know, see what, what the alternative route is or see what's going on. So I flip open my, my Waze <laughs> app and punch in the address and, uh, you know, it's all good, accident ahead. Well, so we're driving, we're catching up, everything's all cool. And five minutes later, out of the blue, loud as can be in my speakers, cues Joe Prano. Quarter mile ahead. Suck my tiger dick and exit right. <laughs> and full blown panic mode. Shuffle through my phone and clearly. That's it. Oh, wow. Talk about leaving us hanging. Yeah. That is, uh, for people who don't know, you can, you can record a custom. Uh, voice for Waze. You know, you get all the celebrity voices. They had Morgan Freeman. They have a they had Vladi Divac for a while. Um, somebody told me a while ago that you could do a custom one. So I recorded and I tweeted the link out. So the night LSU won the title. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I recorded custom directions for Waze as Coach Ed Ultron. <laughs> And it was a lot of things like, you done fucked up, make a U-turn. <laughs> Suck my tongue of dick and make a right in a quarter mile. <laughs> uh, so uh, I know that that was uh, a popular download for a while. And um, apparently uh, Billy downloaded it and it was on while he was driving his girlfriend's family home from the airport. And trying to make things good. Yeah. I love that he had done everything, too. He'd gone to Ross, gotten some preppy clothes, got a haircut, 
And then uh, Bill Walton, or Bill, or sorry, Coach O tells him to suck his tiger dick, make a right. We got he's got to call back, yeah, and, and update us, Billy. We need an update. And also, uh, you guys should uh, Google or, or go on Twitter and search for the Coach O link because it's, it's pretty. I had it pretty fun. I had it for a minute. I was thinking about doing some others just because I thought it'd be. I had it for a minute, but then I'll be honest, it was just so aggressive. You know, I'd be like trying to mellow out in my car, and then yeah, you like listen to some chill music, and then it's like mega right, fucking pussy. You're like, what? What? I don't. What is going on here, Coach O? So the hotline is 310-359-8365. Thanks for the calls. Leave more, and we will play them this week in our final two episodes in the Smut Studio. Dirtballs, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Dirty Sports. You can leave an iTunes review if you like us, or if you don't. Rate, review, iTunes, follow me at Andy Ruther. That's it. Oh, yeah, somebody asked. I do have a Venmo. It's Andy-Ruther. I've had a few people ask. I know I don't pay attention to it, but that's my Venmo, Andy-Ruther. You got to get with the times, Andy, 2020. People literally have their Venmos in their... uh in their bios these days. Pretty sure there are girls who are making a full-on living making TikToks and having their Venmo in their bios. I'm at Joe Prano on Instagram, at Joe Prano on Venmo. Um, we had a rough week, Prano's picks this week. Man, the one the one I held back was the the Browns money line bet. I feel horrible about it. I feel like I let my people down. Uh, but you know what that means. When you have a dark weekend, you always come back strong. So follow me on Instagram, at Joe Prano, for those picks. Uh, at Fix Your Life on Twitter. Um, maybe we'll get some more ways, directions, and other voices going. But in the meantime, if you want any of the uh, any of the people that celebrity drop in on the show to do anything for you, I'm on Cameo. So find me on Cameo, and uh, we'll be back. What Wednesday? Is yeah, that the plan. That's the plan. So we'll be back on Wednesday. So call the hot one, hotline 310-359-8365 so that we can do a bit of a retrospective uh, for Andy's going away episode. Yeah, and Jacob Faith, you need to follow up. I need to know. Yeah, we need Billy to follow up. We need Jacob Faith to follow up. We've got a lot of people to follow up. This, yeah. this is the a lot of questions without answers episode. Yeah, 100%. All right, guys, that's the show. Thank you for all the support. Have a great week and stay dirty.